You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, my car-crazy friends and our flock who just loves the internal combustion engine. And uh, we're having a nice, relaxing early morning today in Eastern Tennessee. And uh, let's see if our friend Tom Cox, who lives on top of a mountain because he's, you know, He's kind of an introvert, doesn't want to be around people. Tom, are you there? Uh, I'm too busy uh, communing with nature. Uh, I, give, give me a moment. <laughs> recluse, <laughs> recluse, recluse that I am. So good morning, so everybody. So is it true? So is it true that from your house you can't see anything except rolling hills into the distance? It is true. And uh, there are no... No buildings. Uh, no buildings, no, no, none. Just trees, not a, just wow. trees, rolling hills. Uh, no mini cows either. Wow, no mini cows. I mean, how boring is that? I mean, you can't see people breaking into other apartment houses or scaling the uh, fire escape. You know, that's exciting stuff. You know, and you don't see any of that. You don't see a Five Guys in the distance or hear trucks. You know, doing their breaking down a hill. Nothing, huh? Not you live like that. Nothing. Although, although you know, occasionally a bear, uh, you know, tries to steal something. You know, those bears are crafty. Really, you got bears, huh? Got bears. Yeah, got got bears. Got raccoons. They try to steal stuff too. Possums. They, you know, that's the advantage of living on the twenty third floor of an apartment house. No bears. No possums. No raccoons. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> zip, no, zip, nada. <laughs> so, what are we going to talk about today? Anything interesting? Well, you know, last week, um, you know, we we had a really good time with uh, our good friend uh, Mr. Moskowitz from the AACA, and uh, of course, we talked about the uh, show of shows, uh, the AACA Fall Nationals at Hershey. That was that was a great time. We had a, had a wonderful uh, time at Mr. Moskowitz's expense, um, which was good. But uh, because we had so much fun with Mr. Moskowitz, we had a couple of things in the lineup that we really didn't get to. And one of those was brake upgrades for your classic vehicle. And I'm going to let you start on that one because I'll just bet you maybe we, we disagree about this a little bit. So you go for it. Well, you I'm know, ready. I mean, okay, well, I want to surprise you. When the engineers in Detroit and whereabouts, Kenosha, Coventry, Kenosha. When, when they design, <laughs> all right, maybe not Coventry, when they design, you know, uh, Rambler drum brakes, <laughs> yeah, when they design, design drum brakes, you know, they, they really are effective if they're maintained. You know, if you have the right, uh, shoes, if the drum itself is, you know, turned and there's no ridges or rust on the inside and then the wheel cylinders are in excellent order and uh, the flex 
poses are, you know, uh, in great shape, uh, you shouldn't have any problems with drum brakes, unless you drive like a nut job, you know, and you're going to turn to fade. But, you know, this, you know, this is a big thing with a lot of the, uh, GMA body cars where there's all these disc brake conversions. And, you know, there, there is benefit to disc brakes. They are better than drum brakes. But, you know, to me, when you have an old car, like, you know, car in, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, uh, that's the appeal of the drum brakes. It's part of the appeal of the car because that's the characteristics of driving that car. If you want your old car to drive like a new car, why don't you just go buy a new car? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, why strip the characteristics from the car in its signature way that it drives and handles and stops away? Then you're not enjoying the car for what it is. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, do you agree? I think you no, agree. no, no, no. I am shocked. I'm, I'm totally shocked. I, I thought, I thought for sure, you know, we were going to be talking about, uh, you know, disc brake conversions, you know, and. Um, so forth and uh, whatever else we needed to do, you know, four wheel uh, disc braking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, you're absolutely spot on, it. and this is something that comes up a lot with me. And you know, it's it's been a pet peeve of mine for a while. Don't get me wrong; I I embrace everything, and I know you do too. You know, when people, you know, want to work on their car, they want to do things on their car, you know, it's their car, you know, they can do what they want, and, you know, I, you're never going to hear me saying anything negative about your car, but here's the thing, and so many people, you're right, the first thing they do, they're like, God, you know, I've, I've got to upgrade the disc brakes, well, it's kind of like, well, well, really, why, because they've got it in their head, because everybody else is doing it. That surely that must be what has to be done. I have to make the car safe. Well, you know, as you say, disc brakes versus drum. So the discs are—they don't fade, and they are a little bit. They cut down on your stopping distance. That's true. But if you're not driving like a lunatic, or if you're not doing some sort of, uh, you know, competitive driving or something like that, you're. You're not going to really need anything other than what the engineers designed. And if everything is adjusted properly, it's clean, it's in top operating condition, you're not going to have a problem stopping. Um, it's going to be safe. You know, I've got a couple of cars. I mean, really, if you don't hit, hit the brake, I mean, if you jammed on the brake, it put put you through the windshield. And yeah, that's all drum up. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, you if know. you're going to have that, you know, if you're going to have that uh, GTO or that Grand Sport, Chevelle, whatever, and you want to upgrade the disc brakes because you're going to drive it to work every single day, 60 miles each way in traffic, then I would say, okay, upgrade it to disc brakes if it doesn't have it. But how many people are going to use their old car every day and in traffic situations? Rarely. You're not. You know? The only issue I have ever faced with drum brakes, um, particularly on on larger cars, um, in this particular instance, the one that comes to mind is uh, 66 Cadillac. Um, you know, living up here in the mountains, 
you know, if anybody should be having to jump on the disc brake bandwagon, it's me. Be you. Um, right. You know, because heading down the mountain sometimes, particularly if you've got a really long, steep grade, which there are a lot of them out here, if you don't watch it, you'll end up with brake fade. And I've right. had that happen. But you know what? Even in that circumstance, it would have been prevented had I just slipped down the gear. And also, if I had you not ridden the brake as much as I did, you know, the tendency is to ride the brake, and, and all that right. does is promote the brake fade. So, you know, you're just so heat creating up. the problem. You're making it worse. So, you know, if you really drive properly... They're going to give you great service. There's no point in doing that. Spend your money somewhere else. You know? So why a fire extinguisher, which a lot of people don't do. Go ahead. I'm so so what you're telling us is that you don't know how to drive your cars down a mountain. Well, yeah. You know, honestly, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm humming along, and I'm dragging the brakes a little bit and you know it, yep. all that did was promote the brake promote brake fade on it and uh you know those big old caddies they you know you get them on a long grade slow you can end up with brake fade so you just need to think about how to drive the car that's another thing too but yeah everything doesn't always need to be upgraded um no no but the only thing i would upgrade with drum brakes or to be honest with you, even disc brakes, any kind of car, is if you buy a car and you you go through it and you have, you know, the drums cut, you have new shoes and everything, but the flex hose is still the original flex hose and it has no cracks mm. in it. So you say, oh, I'm going to leave it. Well, no, it may look great from the outside, but what happens over time, the flex hose on the inside swells. And it blocks and it restricts the flow of the hydraulic brake fluid. And that lessens your brake uh, performance. So you got to change those flex hoses because, you know, they are more swollen. It's almost like a constricted artery that forces people to get heart attacks because you're not getting any blood flow. So that's important whether your car has drum brakes or disc brakes. Change those flex hoses. So, you know, that's a great point, Richard. So another personal experience, um, my 67 Volvo 1800S, driving that car, I kept having an issue with the rear brakes heating up on me in a relatively short period of time. And I kept checking it out, checking it out, looking at this, looking at that. And um, ultimately, you know what the problem was? It was the rear flex hose for the rear brakes. Ah. It was allowing the flow of brake fluid into the wheel cylinders, but it was creating and holding pressure because it wasn't allowing it to flow back. Ah, really kind oh. of interesting, odd problem. And, you know, what the heck? It was an $18 part, you know? Um, but everybody forgets it because it looks good. But, yeah, I, it's the I didn't think part didn't think about it you know i just bought the car but you know right. i hadn't thought about that you know everything looked good but i hadn't you know really gone through it and that's another point you really should go through your car and have everything sorted out the other thing 
you know, brake systems, drum brakes particularly, you know, they, they get warm. All, they're going through constant heating and cooling, and that means that the brake hardware that's all in there, the springs, everything, is subjected to all this constant heating and cool, all these constant heating and cooling cycles. And that just weakens everything and fatigues it. And so you can have great shoes. You can have a a drum that's in perfect condition and yet still end up with a problem because you shortchanged yourself on replacing the brake hardware too when you do the brake job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, all too often I hear people, well, especially the young people, first thing they do when they get a car is they, you know, they got to put a bigger carburetor on and got to put exhaust headers. They got to increase the power. Wrong. The first thing you do is check your brakes and make sure they're performing at an optimal condition. Because you can have all the horsepower you want, but when you go to stop, you're not going to stop. You need to stop first before you go fast. And that's very important. And a lot of people forget that. And it's so, a break time. It only takes... What's that? It's break time. Break time. Break okay. Time. <laughs> we'll be back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Stacey Abrams says yes to defund the police, as crime is on the rise in Georgia. This November, say no to Stacey Abrams and cast your vote for Brian Kemp. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Well, that wasn't All right, too painful. <laughs> no. no. You know, I want to make one more comment about uh, brakes. Uh, with disc brakes, there are a lot of high-performance disc brake pads. You know, you don't have to upgrade your system. Just change, change the pads. There's this stuff called green stuff and yellow stuff. And... Uh, Boy, uh, it, they really do make a big difference. You know, they could be a little pricey, as much as, you know, $100 for a set of brake pads. 
and sometimes more depending on which ones you get. But uh, the increase in performance is is really noticeable. So you know, if you want to go down that route, by all means. But uh, I'm I'm really glad that you have come to your senses, Tom, and agree with me that uh, drum brakes really are more effective than people realize. And I like the fact that you kept saying I'm right. C- could you say that again? <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's hard, for especially you know, first thing in the morning, having to admit right. that you're right about anything. My God, the. Uh, but yeah, I'm all in on that, and uh, you know, it's that way with a lot of things. A lot of people, and and I, we won't get off into the weeds. But a couple of weeks ago, I uh, was talking to someone. And a friend of theirs just bought a 66 Cadillac. Oh, great. You know, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And he's going to drop a crate motor in it because he wants it to be reliable. Because of reliability. Now, look, if you just want to put a crate motor in, that's that's one thing. You know, it's not going to affect me one way or the other. If that's what you want to do, God bless you. Go for it. But... If you're putting a crate motor in because you want to improve reliability, no, no, you no. Know, those 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 engines, the four, in that case, four twenty nine Cadillac engine, a very dependable engine. You know why mess with it? You know you can keep everything necessary to keep that car on the road in any situation, despite some sort of catastrophic failure. You know, in a in a milk crate and in, in the trunk of the car. Seriously, you know, you'll be able to right. get home wherever you're going. You'll be able to get home. You just have a little bit of mechanical knowledge and enough spare parts to fill up a milk crate in the trunk. You're good to go. Something goes down on that LS one. You know, you have some sort of electronic failure of some sort. You're on the side of the road and you're calling AAA. Just say I agree. All too often you hear, yeah, do an LS one swap. Yeah, I'm sure the car would be a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, a lot of these aftermarket components uh, make things worse than what they actually are. If you would just cure the issue and make the car as reliable as can, you know, rebuild the original carburetor. Make sure, you know, you have a good quality ignition coil and the points are, you know, new and gapped correctly and, and the points are made in China. Make sure you have good quality, you know, Delco points. Uh the car is going to be as reliable as it was when it was brand new. And, you know, people put 100,000 miles on it back then. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you about the engine upgrades. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You are correct. I, thank you. I, I like being right, too, you know. What's yeah, going on? All right. Say? People are going to quit listening because we're agreeing too much. Um, <laughs> so... And this is something else I know we're not going to disagree on. It's like Kumbaya Day with us. Um, so, wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. Huh? Um, trailers, car trailers. Out of everything associated with the antique car hobby for me, one of the things that really sticks out as being one of the biggest tragedies associated with the hobby and I've of course just like you've been to hundreds if not thousands of shows and you know all too often you get to a show 
and you hear people whispering, blah, 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 you know, and the buzz, and you find out what's going on. And they're talking about a fellow hobbyist who was on their way to the show. And they've been involved in a serious accident because something happened to their trailer. There was some sort of failure that caused them to lose control. Um, it's been, over the years, there have been situations that have been absolutely heartbreaking because right. um, people were killed on the way yep. to the show just because of trailer issues. And, you know, subsequent, if you, you know, do any research on it, you know, subsequent uh, state police investigations throughout the country, they all confirm a lot of the same things. You know, predominantly the biggest issue is tires right off the bat right for trailers you always need them blown yep yes um you know so there are a couple of reasons and a couple of things that are causing so your trailers sit more than they are on the highway uh no doubt about that if you have a car trailer and you know you don't think about how old those tires are. You're not thinking about it. Time goes by quickly. You know, you think they're three years old. They're eight years old. And they are they may look perfectly good, but if they're dry-rotted, they're a huge safety hazard. And you figure, what a small price to pay to upgrade your tires. And realistically your trailer tire in terms of its usable safe life is going to be about five years max you need to replace them the other problem that's occurred over the last 25 or 30 years a lot of the trailer tires their manufacturer has shifted to other countries uh China, most notably, and honestly, the, the quality's not there. Uh, no. cheap tires. Cheap tires are bad. You know, it's, cheap it's tires not like are cheap bad. tools. Not like cheap tools, though. Cheap tires can well, cheap tools can kill you too. But you know, cheap tires definitely can kill you. Uh, I know people who had some of those cheap tires made in China on their trailers, brand new, and the tires exploded. Not good. Oh yeah. No, pay a few extra bucks. Happens regularly. So that's going to, you know, put me to the next thing uh, regarding tires. Within the last few years, just because of all the issues, and it's certainly not uh, isolated to the collector car hobby, but to anybody running trailer tires, you know, businesses, et cetera, et cetera. They were all having, everybody was having the same problem, and there's just a ton of uh, failures out there. And so Goodyear put, put out a new trailer tire called the Goodyear Endurance Trailer Tire. It's a um, R tire, a radial construction, and um, it's... It, an exceptional tire, and it is highly regarded by everyone. 
And believe it or not, it's actually made in the USA. So it's made here at home, and it's really well, really, really, really well engineered. Uh, you know, there are a lot of differences, and, you know, in the antique car hobby, you can talk about radial versus bias ply construction, and a lot of the trailer tires that are out there um, are, you know, have a D designation, and they're bias ply as opposed to the R. And the construction is different. You know, the uh, bias ply tires, you have more tread wear, you have less traction, but now the sidewalls are thicker, and so they'll hold up better in terms of uh, sidewall damage, punctures, scrapes on curbs, all of those sorts of things. But, on the other hand, the radial construction, they've got better traction, they run much, much cooler, and they have a much stronger uh, tread surface area. They're much more resistant to uh, puncture than the bias ply constructed tires. Um, the biggest issue for trailers particularly has been that sidewall weakness versus bias ply and a lot of a lot of people stayed away for that reason well the Goodyear endurance the engineers took that into account and they uh, molded in in an extra sidewall uh, scuffed zone if you will all all throughout the uh, sidewall outer sidewall of the tire so They've really kind of covered everyone. They're more expensive, but everybody's bound to realize, you know, you're running down the road at 70 miles an hour. You've got a six thousand, a five to six thousand pound load in the trailer. You lose a tire from a catastrophic failure. You're screwed. If you, if you're lucky, the best that's going to happen to you is that tread comes loose, maybe it beats beats around in the well of the uh, trailer fender, and you pull, you're lucky it doesn't tear anything up. That's the best that could happen. The worst that could happen is you could lose, you and whomever's riding with you could lose their life. And so, you know, I, I highly recommend checking that out. The other thing, tire pressure monitors. You can now buy tire pressure monitors to install on your trailer. Uh, that way, when you're cruising down the road in air-conditioned bliss and you're isolated from all the noise of the highway and you're just bebopping be along like Richard does, just bebopping along, listening to tunes, not paying attention, no care in the world, right, Richard? And you just got something there that displays the tire pressure so that you can actually watch it in re real time. Uh, Gosh, it's already a break time. We'll be back, wow. folks. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, 
you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. So, All right, so we know, were talking we're... about trailer tires, right? Yes, sir. Trailer tires, well, tire pressure monitors, so forth. I would like to give our listeners some really, really good advice if they're thinking about buying a trailer. Don't. See, what a lot of people fail to realize is this. Uh, our friendship. It's not like I'm friends with Tom because I like him, and it's not like I'm friends with Tom because I think he. It's not like I'm friends with Tom because I think he's so handsome. No, who I'm said we were with friends? Tom because <laughs> there you go. I'm friends with you because you own a trailer. You see, I don't have to mm. buy one. I just give you a six pack of beer. You say, "Sure, Rich, take my trailer to Hershey, no problem." And then I bring it back all dirty and filthy with the tires worn, and I walk away. So it's like being friends with somebody who owns a swimming pool. Why put a pool in your yard? Buy the guy a case of beer. You could use his pool all summer long. You know what I'm saying? That's why we're <laughs> friends. I like your trailer. It's a good trailer. And next time I use it, please make sure the tire pressure is correct. Okay? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because on break we were actually just having that discussion. <laughs> you might need to have something moved. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, check the tire pressure, get decent tires, make sure that the wheel bearings are properly lubricated, that they've been greased and packed. You know, the other thing, if you, you know, if you want, you can get these uh, bearing savers, they go on in place of your dust covers. And they have a Zerk fitting on it. You just hook your grease gun up to it, and you give it a shot. Gives enough grease in there. But that doesn't replace actually taking it apart and inspecting it. And the other part of it is, of course, if you put too much grease, pump too much grease in through those bearing savers, 
because it's so convenient and easy to do, gives you that peace of mind, but you end up with grease getting in there and getting on the uh, brake linings. And if you get the grease on your brake linings, that trailer is not going to help you stop. And, uh, you know, it's not just a matter of stopping in general, but functional brakes on a trailer are key to keeping it under control, too. Uh, particularly if you're going down steep grades and, and things of that nature, you may need really some braking on that trailer to keep it from trying to push you around as you're coming down. Um, and that's another neglected area. You know, there's a couple of different types of braking systems, you know, inertia braking, um, you know, when you apply the brake on the tow vehicle, that uh, there's a mechanism by which the tongue of the trailer pushes forward and uh, it's generally a hydraulic system that uh, works similar to your car. Then the more common is electric brakes. And, you know, just like anything else, you need to test them. You need to check them out because if you don't, you know, you end up with a wire cut or some other type of failure. You end up with brakes on one side and not the other. And if you have to go in for a hard braking situation, uh, a bear runs out in front of you, um, and you're going to have to stop suddenly, you're going to have an issue. Bam, there you are on the side of the road because, bam. you know, uh, yeah, bam, there you go on the side of the road. Check out those braking systems and make sure they're in good working order as well. Um, it, it's incredibly important. The other things, and, you know, I, I don't want to beat beat a dead horse with trailers, but there's a safe way to do it, and you'll be happy you did. Um, and that is weight distribution as well. You find, I see people all the time, you know, with cars loaded backwards on trailers, which means the vast, oh, if it's look. front engine, front engine, no. Most of the weight's going to be hanging off of the rear of the trailer. And you get that thing up 45, 50, 60 miles an hour, and you've, we've all seen the trailers. They're wagging back and forth, and they're trying yep. to push the tow vehicle left or right in the rear. It's a potentially deadly situation. Again, um, just don't do it. And the reason that's happening is the weight distribution. You want as much of the weight over top of the axles, a little bit in front, um, in order to make your trailer tow properly. So my best advice to everybody, there are a lot of uh, really helpful videos online, uh, a lot of YouTube videos and uh, the uh, National Highway Safety Traffic Administration, NHTSA, they, I believe, still have a video um, that basically goes through and explains how to go about securing your load in a way that the weight is properly distributed so that you don't have these situations with, you know, being out of control. Now, now you just the said other something. Thing. What, what? You just said did I say very important. Yeah, you actually did, but, of course, you didn't expound on it, so I will. Uh, oh, I'm so glad you're here. You said securing it. How many times have you seen a, a trailer open up at a car show and they got these cheap China-made straps holding the car down? Straps that have are freighted and they're not even 
installed on the car properly with an X crossing. Uh, and I've heard of cases where the cars have actually come loose inside the trailer because of these oh, cheap yeah. straps that people are using. So strapping the car down is as important as, you know, having quality tires. Don't you agree? Am I, I right? I do again? agree. Uh, you are right again. God oh, almighty, right. you are on a roll, man. I am just going to start calling you every time I have a major decision to make. I, I'm not even going to bother to uh, stress myself with sitting and thinking about the solutions. I'm calling you. The answer, Good, man. See? Call, call, call Nello. The, uh, see, you're, you're absolutely up right. morning? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll just go over we'll my weekly from schedule with you. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, securing the load is equally as important as distributing the load. And people don't do that either. You're absolutely right. No. They buy these cheap Chinese, as you say, unrated straps that right. break, come loose. And, again, another important point you made, you know, they don't realize how you're supposed to tie everything down. So, no, it's got to be know, an X. Yep. That and, you know, <clears throat> connecting to the suspension versus the body, I would recommend right. to everybody take the time there's a lot of information out there. That's you know the internet is an annoyance at times, and it consumes far too much of our time. But spending 15 minutes, check out some of the online videos, and actually go through and learn a little bit about what needs to be done. And if you do that, you're going to save yourself so much tr time, trouble, effort. It could save your life. Gentlemen, far be it for me to interrupt, but one area that you all have neglected with a trailer is you're not always going forward. Well, that's true. Right. Um have That's you, why Richard doesn't have a trailer. He doesn't know how to back one up. <laughs> well, no. that that, no. that explains that, doesn't it? <laughs> Our city boys are clueless. <laughs> um, you need to be able to, you know, you should practice, really. Uh, you know, you don't want to go buy a trailer, throw, throw it, and hook it up. And, David, that is a point, really. It's just like anything else. It's like learning to ride a motorcycle or your your first um, trip driving a, a car or whatever it was. You need to experience it. And the best way to do that, hook your trailer up, try to find a place, a large parking lot, big church parking lot, or, you know, an old department store parking lot, hook your trailer up. And practice a little bit. Practice backing up. Practice and make sure you have the right mirrors. You need the right oh, rear view yeah. mirrors that are large enough so you can see what's going on. Yes. Good point, David. Now, I, there there are a lot of reasons. You know, the trailers are a great thing. I I wouldn't be without one. But again, you just really have to. Have I know all that's of why you're my friend. The same place. I know that's the only reason. <laughs> it's the only reason. So, so just folks, it up. if you need a trailer but you can't afford it, make friends with someone who owns a trailer, 
Even if the guy is ugly, even if he's annoying, just buy him beer, use his trailer, and you're set. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to raise your insurance rates, nothing. So, Tom, I can't wait to use your trailer. <laughs> oh, you know, the other thing that we're going to have to do is, you know, one last important item on trailers, and that is, you know, of course, you know, Richard bars my trailer. He, he beats the snot out of it. You know, it, it's dirty and disheveled and everything when it comes back. And, of course, you know, he's been driving it over all these potholes when he goes to visit his folks back up north there in uh, Brooklyn, you know. And, of course, the road, we all know the roads up there are really good, you know, and that beats the heck out of your trailer. Metal fatigue and weld fatigue you know your trailer oh, yeah. probably well trailers are probably well made and all of that's well and good but that's the other thing that people don't think about that that occurs you know when you're driving on some of our roads today that trailer is taking a beating and so that means Hell you know you really need to have the shackles inspected as well mm-hmm. the spring shackles um, you don't want one of those. They do wear out. You don't want them to break on you because then, bam, there you are, side of the road again. Bam. Bam. And the other thing is, you know, where all of your major weld stress points are, particularly the tongue. It's it's a good thing to just inspect all of it to make sure there's no cracks visible and so on and so forth. And if you see any cracks at all, that's the crack that's visible to the naked eye. If you were to be able to notice it, you've got much more going on under the surface. If you can see any crack whatsoever, you really need to take the trailer to a qualified welding welding shop and have them, you know, grind the old weld out, re-weld the whole thing. Um, so, anyway... That's enough on trailers, um, but it's really, really important, and, and I mean that. You know, I we have lost lives in the hobby because of people's neglect of all the things that Richard and I just talked about, and a lot of really great cars have had the, you know what, beat out of them going down the road, particularly with you know with the most of mostly enclosed trailers. Um, you know, you use those cheap Chinese tra- straps and one of them comes loose or you incorrectly um, secure the car, a lot of times Damn. you don't really notice it's rolling around in there beating itself to yeah. death. And, and, <laughs> go ahead. We're on break? You there? You there, Richard? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So We're on break? You, I, I thought you said and. No, 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 no. No, I, I said and. Oh, no, no. Bam! Bam the yeah, car's rolling bam. around. Yeah. You know, one time I was at, uh, I was up at Lime Rock at the Vintage Races, and this guy was taking his car out of the trailer. I mean, uh, what a moron. What happened was, he had all these tools hanging <laughs> in his trailer, and of course, you know, one fell, smashed into the car, dented it, ruined the paint. I mean, how stupid could you be, hanging stuff on... When you're driving down a road for who knows how many miles, you know, hundreds of miles sometimes. So, you know, you got to secure everything in your trailer, not just the car, everything, because things move around, you know. It's, it's you know, it's that whole thing with, uh, who was that guy, that, that friend of yours, Isaac Newton, about, you know, gravity and things like that. Every time you have a one action, you have a reaction, you know, all that stuff. 
So uh, all that, stuff, all that good scientific stuff is going to ruin yeah, your car. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about some car stuff. So, any more Hudsons? You got uh, any more uh, AMC stories from Kenosha? Uh, did you ever build any break. AMC models when you were a kid? Let's take you know, it's break. interesting. Oh, I did. I built an AMX. I think it's break time again. I hate oh, to say it, but okay. we'll be back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars <laughs> you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Yeah, All right, we're back. So you were you were asking if I ever built any AMC models, and yeah, I did. So, believe it or not, I built an AMX Go Pack sixty nine, which I really love. How long uh, ago? I think my mother threw uh, the model was, away. Was that like in nineteen twenty nine? No, uh, what was that when you were <laughs> you, when you were a kid? Right. So yeah, yeah. You, you said we had a hobby store right near us, and I used to go there all the time and enter my models and the contest of course i never won but it was always a lot of fun building car models and uh yeah i would like to get back into it you know maybe one day when i'm retired but uh it is a lot of fun really is and uh you know not just car models you know i used to build a lot of planes uh warbirds b25 b24s all that kind of stuff you know models are a really cool hobby really is i had no idea you were so multifaceted um, well, you know, actually, I am. We, you, and a man of the world. That's, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I built, I built several uh, car models. I didn't build a ton of them, but I built several. Um, I built some really large models, um, aircraft carriers, and things of that nature. But I, I grew up in uh, Virginia Beach, Norfolk area, um, and. You know, Norfolk Naval Base. All the ships. One of the world world's large. Yeah, they build them there. They're housed. They're moored there. And, uh, you know, you just 
can't get away from all of those carriers and you know you could see the carriers coming in and out of the out of the Chesapeake Bay um, at times too so I, I grew up around it and so we I built a lot of uh, a lot of aircraft carrier models and then my first time in in New York State we we had friends that lived in upstate New upstate New York <laughs> in Albany yep. and uh, I, I spent a week up there with them and uh, I built I think probably four or five uh, models, um, including a 49 Chevy. I still have that one. Uh, the rest of them, you know, went hither or yon. But, you know, a pet peeve, and you'll get this because I, I didn't realize that you built models. Um, do you remember the brand called Lindbergh Line, the Lindbergh sure. Line of models? Remember? Yeah. You know, they always had the little in the lower panel the lower left panel on the box always talked about the electric motor that came with it so that you know you could build your model and then the Lindbergh line had this little electric motor that you could build and you were going to have 10 times more fun than all the other kids down the block because they didn't have a little electric motor I I could never get those damn things to work ever no me neither I would yeah I mean how God awful was that? You know, here you are, a kid. You're all excited. You know, those people should have been arrested. You know, why even bother? I know, <laughs> lying fraud. Yep, but uh, it was always fun building models. You know, I built a lot of muscle cars, and uh, my favorite was a '70 GTX that I built, which I still lust after today. A '70 GTX, but you know, uh, building models is a lot of fun. And and then I got later on, I got into 143rd square uh, scale white metal models, you know, and uh, that's a little more intricate. Wow. It's, yeah, especially tough now when, you know, the older you get, your vision kind of isn't as good as it used to be, so you got to work with magnifying glasses and things like that. But, uh, yeah, building models is a lot of fun. It really is. I know, uh, well, where was it? At uh, the winter meeting for the AACA, they have model races, or is it valve cover races or something like that. The kids build models and then they race them down a track. Pinewood, Pine, Pinewood Derby races. Pinewood. Most people probably remember the, the, you know, back in the day when most of us ended up uh, being in scouting one way, shape, form, or another, whether it was right. Cub Scouts or um, Boy Scouts. Um, Cubs, as a Cub Scout, um, I built a Pinewood Derby car. Me too. I got, yep, I I got beat badly it was it was humiliating but i i learned to accept defeat with the pinewood derby car it taught me how to how to accept defeat in life it was an important lesson came from the pinewood derby car really seriously i got skunked i think i came in dead last uh, it was yeah me too I, until when the guy who won when he wasn't looking i loosened up his wheels so the next race i won you know that's the things you got to do you know, you got to act like a city guy. <laughs> I'll fix you. <laughs> hey, Tony, go talk to Fred over there. Divert his attention. I got to loosen his wheels. I, <laughs> you know, and today you can still buy a lot of models. You know, AMT is still a major manufacturer of yep. models. It was interesting. Yeah. 
I was in a Hobby Lobby, I don't know, probably yep. a month and a half ago, and they had a big sale on them. Uh, they did. And I you was there. Yeah. Fourteen, fifteen dollars a piece. Um, you know, because now normal price on a model is somewhere, you know, north bucks, of twenty right? bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it used so, to be two, I mean, three dollars. You know, but yeah, not everything is wait, the same anymore. Wait until they go on sale. You know, it, it would be interesting. I, I hadn't thought about it. Um, if I find someone with a kid in the ten-year-old to thirteen-year-old range, I, I might try giving them a model for Christmas or something, just simply to see. It was a lot of fun, and I know you know all of us, but kids especially, are, are glued to all these screens all the time. You know. If you're out there, parents and grandparents, you might think about trying to buy, build a couple of models with your kids. It might foster a little bit of interest and excitement in the antique car hobby in general as well. Um, and, you know, despite the way that, um, you know, the industry is going, particularly, I, you know, not to get in the weeds again, you know, I, I've gotten into several discussions this week regarding, um, automotive styling recent yeah. more recent automotive styling and there are some great wonderfully styled vehicles out there but gosh so much of it is just the same old same old and it's all so pedestrian um i, know. I really think that it really is. bodes well for the future of the hobby um traditionally anyway americans always liked that individuality of having that particular car whatever it was it was sort of an extension of your personality yeah you know it it kills me when i hear these uh designers talk about you know some car that they just designed that looks like the same jelly bean that the other guys did and just because they changed the headlamps then they say oh it has such an organic shape well, let me tell you something, pal. There's nothing organic about it. A head of lettuce is organic. You know, a carrot <laughs> is organic. <laughs> a car is not organic. It's a lump of steel. Come on. <laughs> All these catchphrases that they use, it's organic. It's not organic. <laughs> Get with the program. <laughs> now, pro- probably the worst styled vehicle, um, in my opinion, of course, which doesn't necessarily matter to anybody, least of all the people at Ford Motor Company. But uh, that new Mustang EV. Why do they call it a Mustang? It doesn't look like the, one. Ah, uh, it's been beaten with the ugly stick. It was as if they wanted to say, we're doing away with the grill because right. we don't want it to be reminiscent of that horrible days when we had internal combustion engines so you know rather than just building a a really sexy good looking ev uh, that is proudly wear the mustang heritage uh they built that thing and it's just ugly as sin i i can't imagine what a beating people are going to take in the resale market on those when they go to sell those things because they're just ugly I would rather drive a Pontiac Aztec than than, than that new thing they call a Mustang. Uh, at least the Aztec, you know, good or bad, it has it has character. It has its own individual look. But these these things today, they're just they're just awful. No styling whatsoever. You know, I'm, I'm I just finished writing about a '57 uh, Dodge D500 for the next issue of Crankshaft Magazine, 
and I go to the original brochures, and there must have been, oh, my God, dozens of colors and color combinations. Before you know it, there's like 50, 60 different color combinations you could put on your car back then. And today you get white, silver, black, blue. That's it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so it's not only the cars that, you know, are just drab looking. It's these lack of colors. and yeah, One minute to go. Today. It really is. One minute. One minute to go in the show. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Where did the time go? You and I were agreeing yeah. so much, it went by quickly. We need to argue more. Then it it did. Like it so, listen, uh, you got to get your trailer ready for me. Uh, I want to make sure that it's clean and make sure that tire pressure is correct because I don't want to have any accident. No. And, uh, yeah, I'll bring we'll you that ready to do it. I could use oh. So next weekend, by the way, you and I are going to both be at the Virginia Festival of the Wheel in Charlottesville, Virginia. So if yeah. anyone's around out there, the uh, Concord Day is on Sunday. Uh, come on out to the Boar's Head Inn uh, there in Charlottesville, and uh, Richard and I will be out there hanging out. And uh, okay, got to wrap it. It's coming by. Okay, well, we're, bye, we're out of time. Be good. Ciao. See you next time. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.